This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 627, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you.
Hello, welcome back to Fantasy Football Week, episode six hundred and twenty-seven. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. This is my co-host Josh Flanagan. Hello. Sedate, Josh Flanagan. I don't. I don't know. That was like neutral. I didn't know what to do, and it just came out. I was like, "Oh, you're a robot. That's good." <laughs> Together, we are a fanboy, and every every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us, we picks their favorite book, call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book, some other books of the week, some listener mail, some patron powers, anything we can do to entertain you. Anything. Have a good time. Anything. We'll dance for you. You won't be able to see it, but we'll do it. Or we'll tell you we are anyway. (laughs) Here's your spoiler warning. It's a review show. There'll be some spoilers. Exercise, some caution, and some forethought this week. Josh, surprising pick. Not surprising, but we'll get to it. Well, yeah. So the pick of the week is Jessica Jones, number 18, and this was a... uh, this is a forced read uh, from Connor, so you could read that. And so we haven't talked about why. That's kind of how well, it works, Well, because you basically. haven't been reading the series because you just didn't jump on it, even yeah. though you love Bendis's Jessica Jones character. I don't know. Written, I, by I, him, written by him. I don't know if I would say love. Well, you quite enjoyed the original. Yeah, I did. I liked it a lot, but I also tend to consign that to that was a thing that happened at a time, and I don't necessarily like feel compelled to jump on it every time. And I kind of enjoy it, but I obviously don't feel compelled to follow up on all of it i guess so i I, re- I finished reading it which is this is the final issue of the run as bendis moves to dc next month and i texted josh and i said you you should probably read the last jessica jones issue mm-hmm. that's what happened yeah so that that was basically why just because it was seemed significant and we would we would be talking about it was that the reasoning there well and i, I thought, and i thought it was really good okay i would my pick as well so but also it was the final issue and it's, it's, you know yeah and and, and and correct me if i'm wrong has gatos been on this He's been on this this particular run the whole time, yes. He has? Okay. Um, I remember, like, the beginning of the arc was that weird thing where, like, she was going through her thing, but nobody recognized it or something like that, and I didn't really love that storyline. I don't like those kind of storylines, the thing where one person can't tell what, like, we can't tell what's going on, but the one person realizes it, or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's a movie out like that now, with the Unsane, where the lady's in the hospital and she thinks uh, she's yes, not crazy, yes. but everybody is saying she is. I hate that. It makes me really Soderbergh's iFanboy movie. I mean, not iFanboy movie. That would have been shocking. No, it's iPhone movie. Yeah. Um, so, I read this, uh, and once again, as, as will often be the case with me, I find that I often get my enjoyment of stories, not all the time, but sometimes it will help when you have a little context. So, I read it. I really enjoyed it as a thing. But um, I read Bendis's little wrap-up page at the end, sort of talking about what he had done, what the story had meant to him, and sort of how he'd envisioned sort of this last story that he would write. And I liked the context of it, and it was that he just wanted to give Jessica one perfect day. And he says, not a perfect day for you or me, or a perfect day, for, but a perfect day for her. It's, you know, a case that she solves, that's a challenge for her, that is a thing, all while holding it together. And I, I just, I was like, I really like that. I think he communicated that. And I thought it was a really interesting story and character choice. Um, so, I mean, and it was I, a nice little one issue. Yeah. I mean, this is not connected to anything really other than her thinking about other stuff. But this is just she gets a, she gets a case and she solves the case. That was really, really fun and nice. And, and really, while, you know, this doesn't this didn't like knock everything else out of the way. There was a reason to sort of take her back to what she was when we met her, which is, you know, this private eye who's doing this thing. 
and and she she explains it. She, you know, she she they do explain away the fact that they're kind of not dealing with the continuity. It's that you know she wants to pay her own bills. And she knows she has rich friends. She doesn't have to, but she wants to do this job because it's what she's meant for. And so the fact that she's married to Luke Cage, she has a kid or whatever. It's it's sort of a non-factor on telling this kind of story, which is the same kind of story that we got to know her with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked that because I think we as a group. Uh, you, myself, and, and and former host of the show, Ron Richards, are having uh, a, com- a complex relationship with the idea of nostalgia. Okay. And I think anybody heavily involved in sort of this comic book space like we are, or even pop culture to a certain extent, who's being thoughtful about it, is going to have various thoughts on the value uh, of something that is nostalgia, which is just sort of going back to the well on something, or showing you something that you used to like, or bringing it back, or returning, because so much of pop culture is now based upon that. Um, and a lot of times it can feel like a thing that like, for me, I feel like we already did this and it worked. Stop trying to recapture that feeling and give me something else. But occasionally, uh, and we're going to talk about this again today, uh, you know, there will be something that does hit you in the right way. And you're like, I really did like this thing. And this has the same quality of that thing that I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, this reading this book, it transported me back to an earlier time, um, which was certainly simpler as a comic book reader. Yeah, you know, uh, for us, um, which was a nice feeling, and and a sort of oh right, look how far, both in a good way and a bad way. Look how far that we've come. Look how far Bendis has come. Look how far King Jessica Jones has come. And at one point, she swears in this book. She says shit, and I was like, oh my god, is that okay? And like went back and looked at the cover because the idea was that Jessica Jones was like the sweary book, and it was the Max book, and that yeah. was the deal. Whereas this is, I don't know, just Mar- Marvel. Principal advisory, yeah. not for kids. That's what's on the front. That's the only thing there. Um, you know, this is one of the reasons why we got rid of the Comics Code Authority. Like, do people even know what that is anymore? Like, is that? I don't know. Um, and it was, you know, like it looked, it looked like it looked. It felt like it looked. And it was, Bendis did a lot of things. And I've always kind of liked his style, you know, but when he does the thing that made me a fan, uh, it, it feels right, you know, and sometimes that feels like going back to the well and sometimes it do- doesn't. And in this instance, uh, it really worked for me. So basically what you've got is this story where this overly wrought cowboy girl <laughs> who is ridiculous. And I think yeah. it's known she's ridiculous. She has a purple hat and a pink jacket and, and, a, and a ridiculously written accent um, <laughs> comes in and says that she's in love with the, the, vi- the super villain, super in quotes, Armadillo. Uh, and she thinks there's something wrong with him and she needs Jessica to get him to come home. That's the whole thing. And so Jessica has to track him down. She goes to all the other superheroes. I think a highlight of this was uh, she goes to uh, Miles Morales and has a conversation with him because he'd had a run-in. He doesn't really tell her anything. Um, and again, that's, that's Bendis writing Miles Morales. That's, you know, there's not going to be a lot of that left. Goes to the thing. Uh, also, Bendis writes a great thing. Did he never yes. do? Did he never do Fantastic Four? No. Do you know how stupid that is? Yeah, he should have done Fantastic Four. He should have been doing Fantastic Four instead of Avengers the whole time. At least now. I mean, I know he didn't have a family yeah. then, but, you know, like, he would have been great at that. Um, and, like, his voice really does fit Ben Grimm, you know. Um, you know, she calls, there's a great, like, then she calls Luke Cage and he and he, blow, he brushes her off. He is currently in the jaws of a Tyrannosaurus Rex, so there is some precedent for that. He's a little busy. Yeah, that's what he says, but he still hangs up on his wife. And I was like, oh, dude. Um, <laughs> you know, so she finds the armadillo. Uh, they have a conversation. There's a great ending to that where, like, she gets punched through a wall. Um, 
you know, and that that's the story. It's super simple. It's one day. It was over very fast, and I found it really satisfying. And it, if I'm comparing it to the other books that I read, what tickled my feel go my feel good comic book sensors, it was this one, and that's why it ended up as the pick. Well, you know, it's very it's a very easy device, but I fell for it in the you know the Bendis goodbye tour. Even though he's not, this isn't his final issue, although it felt like it should have been. Um, yeah, Iron Man six hundred is, but you know, he goes all through through all his main main characters. You know. Uh-huh. He's uh, Miles Morales, Peter Parker, Luke Cage, uh, the thing he, he, who he wrote in um, Infamous Iron Man. So he, he gets a sort of a goodbye tour with all of his, his his recent main characters one last time, even if it's just a couple of pages. Um, and it's just it was satisfying. It just yeah. it just was satisfying. It it, it it's uh, it's a and also uh, if he wasn't setting this up, then he got really lucky because all of these characters did have interactions with the armadillo in the other books. Mm-hmm. And, you know, reports, uh, gossip sources say this, this was a, not a long planned departure from Marvel. He got really lucky that he could just say, Oh, all these characters fought the armadillo in the last couple of years. So we'll, we'll, I'll make that my device because it worked. <laughs> they all did. Um, who knows why, but, it just—it was a nice goodbye. It was nice. It was—he was just nice. <laughs> and when I was sort of looking at the other books, there were some books that were good or bad or interesting or whatever. But I was like, that was nice. It made me feel good. I like the idea of a pop-up supervillain like Flophouse. Yeah, and I was like, why are they letting her in there? But I also like that she lives on the fuzzy line. Like, see, that part probably would have worked better prior to her being, you know. Luke Cage, Mrs. Luke Cage and the Avenger and everything. I was like, they're not going to let her in there. But in the first book, they would have let her in there. Yeah. So I went with that. That's fine. wasn't a problem. But also, yes, I like that idea. I like that it's cool. It's totally a thing that would exist. Now, when you scroll to the end of this book, if you're on the, uh, the iPad, it says Jessica Jones will return fall 2018. Yeah, I saw that. And I was like, oh. Yeah, that's a that's that's sticking it to to Bendis. <laughs> that's imminent though yeah who, that who, knows drawing. If who knows if that's an actual drawing from what the book from what they're doing or who knows or even if it's a joke or not but yep i feel like that this is a character they need to leave on the shelf for at least a little bit ah i don't i mean i you know who knows who knows now what, what how how it's gonna work or whatever like but again i'm i'm gonna my new thing is if you're gonna do it you fucking do it go balls out <laughs> Go st- right. make it stupid. Uh, also, I love that costume, that Warbird costume. I really like it. Yeah. That was when I first met, really, like, Carol Danvers as a character. It's a great costume. It's a great costume. You had mentioned to me uh, before I told, or as I was talking about Jessica Jones, that Old Man Hawkeye, number three, was a front runner for Pick of the Week at the yeah. time. And I thought, well, have I read that? And I looked back, and Old Man Hawkeye, number one, was a patron pick, but I wasn't on that episode. Oh, really? And I couldn't remember if I had read it, you know, after, you know, even though not being on the episode, you know, just to right, so, so, so I could listen. Um, but so I, what I did was I, I got all three and I read them mm-hmm. uh, and I really liked them. Yeah. Really good. That was, was really a, good that was one of those patron picks that really worked out. And, and I, I, I probably would have read it anyway, I think. But um, this Ethan Sachs guy, I, I, I guess, is a journalist sort of to new to comic book writing, relatively speaking. Um but uh, so let's just talk about this issue. 
Uh, basically, we're in Old Man Logan world. Everything is destroyed, and the you know the America's been the world's been cut up into chunks, not unlike uh, over in uh, Ruckus' book, Lazarus. Yep. Um, except everyone controlling it is either super villains. Or, I think they're all super villains, or maybe some superheroes yeah. are sort of villainous. Doesn't matter. Um, and so uh, Clint is on this journey to like do something that everybody tells him he shouldn't be doing. And in this issue, he, and he goes to the circus. And he's talking to somebody named Eric, E-R-I-K. And I thought, is this supposed to be Magneto? Is he going to fight Magneto? And it, it turns out uh, it's Atlas from Thunderbolts. And he came to repay like for what when they betrayed him. Because it must be 25 years ago. Uh-huh. Is it, do you think it was that long? It was when we were in college. Yeah. Um, Clint Barton Ugh. became the leader. I'm, I'm almost tearing up talking about this. <laughs> He became the leader of the Thunderbolts, which was a bunch of villains headed by Baron Zemo. And then Zemo was ousted and they decided they really wanted to be heroes. So Hawkeye took over the team and it's one of my favorite Hawkeye stories. Uh, and then ultimately they turn on him and they all go back to being villains. And now 25 years later in this comic book, he goes back for revenge. And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, again, this is that nostalgia question. Like it, it doesn't work for me until it works for me. And I was like, because this is deep comic book nerd shit. This is an yeah. unresolved storyline from, you know, at least 20 years ago. And and I was eating it up with a spoon. I, was, I don't even remember the details, but I was like, oh, my God, nobody's ever dealt with this. Which made me think immediately, oh, this writer is one of our people. Like, he would have <laughs> well, come up through this. Because you're not reading these trades. You would have read them at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. So the question is, is he getting revenge for that? Or is it for revenge for what happened to, to destroy the world? <laughs> I took it as, well, he basically... You know, he's, uh, Atlas says, I know we should have killed you that day, you know, and, and it seems to me, it seemed to me like it was about turning on him with the Thunderbolts. You're, you're more of an expert on that than I am. Um, by expert, it's a thing I vaguely remember from college. So that's how I'll I chose to remember it. Right. The only reason I ask is because in the second issue, maybe there's a lot of flashbacks to um, the day it happened, you know, the day all the heroes got killed. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if that was if they were involved with that. I didn't. It doesn't really matter. It. Do, I mean, yeah, it's still a callback to a thing that you know that is familiar to me. And and they flash back to them being friends. There's one thing where basically Clint is standing over Atlas's face, uh, and he's got the the arrow knocked, you know. And there's one frame of them back in the Thunderbolts days, and then he lets go of the arrow and shoots him in the eye and kills him. Um, and Rough. I was like, that's grim. And then yeah. you've got. Bowler hat, mustache, uh, dead dot, um, bullseye. Yeah, just <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I mean, because it's 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 everything I kind of want out of a comic book series. I mean, it's yeah. silly. It's a kind of a western homage, not kind of. It's a super western homage. Uh, it, it calls back to, as you said earlier, incarnations, old scores being settled. Uh, well, it's it a direct great, link Mark. that this Hawkeye is my Hawkeye. Yeah, this isn't Hawkeye. No. Marco Chichetto. Chichetto. Yeah. He's terrific. Yep. I mean, this is I, I had a really good time reading these three issues. Yeah, no, it's totally been that. And so, like, it's one of those things that it comes out and I see it like, oh, sweet. You like that? Because I, I forget about it. I, yeah. I don't think about it until it comes out. And then when it does, I, I get I get a little little excited. And it's it's the one thing that I'm finding lately in comics is that there's a really fine line between serious and stupid. 
Um, yes. And if you hit, we were talking about this with Donnie Cates. Like, it's funny and it takes itself seriously, but not quite, but also not to the other end of it knows it's silly. It's not winking at us. It's no. The, it's the Fast and the Furious line, the first one. <laughs> like, and uh, Red Skull's in it. You know, I don't get enough Red Skull in my life. And, you know, the, the main, we should mention the main, you know, subplot is that Hawkeye's going blind. Yeah, yeah, which I like. I like a lot better than that, better than Hawkeye going deaf, which was a thing. So he's having trouble. Obviously, hitting things with his arrows, and uh, he's he's in a race against time before he yep. goes blind. Uh, and also, there's something else that's happening. Oh, he's being hunted by Venom, who has merged with Madrox, the last multiple version of Madrox, and now there's multiple Venoms. Yeah. Um, there's a lot going on here. It's super fun. I it I is. really I was really happy you, you mentioned it because I probably wouldn't have read it. Yeah, great. So there we go. Two re- reciprocal uh, recommendations from from. Well, I figured I gave you one, and I was like, "Oh, I, I couldn't remember if I'd read the first one, so I, I I went back and I was like, no, yeah, they're not like this. they're not like tough reads. They're not wordy, forty page giants or anything. Oh no, they're fun. There was a bunch of long books this week. Yes, there were. I was like, how long have I been reading? Oh my god! <laughs> so, I thought it was a light rec- week. It was only fifty page books. Yeah, if you recall. Um, Javier Fernandez drew a lot of Nightwing, and I loved Javier Fernandez on Nightwing. He was terrific. Here he pops up in Detective Comics 977 alongside Eddie Barrows, who draws a future flash-forward part, but mostly it's Javier Fernandez. And he can, as far as I'm concerned, he can draw Batman characters all day long. He is really good at it. Um, But here we're entering the story. uh, At the end of the last issue, Batwoman decided she was going to go with her father and join the the team of government soldiers and agents who are going to want to bring Batman down uh, after a rift in the family last time. And so here we flash forward a few years uh, in which Tim is in college. He's, he hasn't been Robin in a long time. And uh, the, the government agents finally attack Wayne Manor and kill Batman. And so is, is Fernandez the, the more cartoony storyline, like the first page no, that's that's Eddie Barrows. Really? This is it. Opens with the flash forward. Uh, okay. No, no. Okay, I'm not thinking about the first page. Um, Go to page eleven. That's the first Javier Fernandez page. And so then okay, we yeah. flash back. I kind of remember that as Nightwing. Yeah, he did the Nightwing stuff, and then go back to Tim realizing he because uh, he he's been shown this future by this weird guy Ulysses who has downloaded the information from future. This is very. It's this very comic booky and confusing future. Uh, Tim Drake's suit. He had he had come back from the fu- from the future <laughs> before, and so he said, "This is your future. You you're gonna be screwed." And so he's making his mission to Tim Drake is to not let this happen, to get back with Batman because because they've had a rift. And I I I loved the way it looked. If Javier Fernandez's art was terrific, I love Tim and Batman together again because we, you know. That's a better Robin pairing than Tim and I mean Batman and Damien. Um, I just I loved this the, the look and feel of this issue a lot. I know that they're changing the creative team soon. James Tinney the fourth is leaving. Um, this has really been his storyline, so we'll see how long it actually takes or if it has any consequences or not. But uh, for now, I really enjoyed reading this this particular issue. Well, good. I, I, it's funny because this is one of those things that I stopped reading, and I, and I, and I don't think I regret that. But no, but this, I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I just was like, I can't read everything. This issue looks terrific. Yeah, it does. 
So Moon Knight. Yeah, we finished up this arc, uh, basically of Moon Knight versus Ra, the Sun God or whatever it is. Um, yeah. And I, I this was a, a this was another patron pick. Yeah. That I think we stuck with because of it. We both enjoyed it. Yeah, and I thought well, I want Moon Knight not, 193 by the way. 193 or six. <laughs> <laughs> um. I really like the Jason Burroughs art through this whole thing. He was the guy who's mostly known as an avatar artist. I think he did stuff with Ennis and Warren Ellis over there. Um, he he has the goods. Uh, he's not on the next arc. Not surprising. According to the end of this, which sucks. I was like, because that makes me less likely to want to keep reading it. However, uh, Ty Templeton is the artist on the next arc. Ty Templeton's, I, I had the same thought. I was like, oh, and then I thought, oh, Ty Templeton's, he's really good. It's a different style. It's a very different style. Yeah. Um, it's he he was he was big in the '90s doing the cartoon style, the, the Batman the Animated yep. Series style. He did he did Keith Giffen's Justice League for a while. Like he's a, he's an old hand. He's a veteran, and he's just a very different look than than Burroughs is. I like him a lot, so that that made me interested to keep going. And also Becky Cloonan covers, which are. Which I don't know if that's signaling like a total shift in the tone of the book. Well, presumably it's the same writer, this Max Bemis. Right. Um, I mostly liked this story a lot. I don't know that I loved the ending. I don't know that I liked the reveal that they had the power of crazy. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Um, yeah. And then he basically becomes leader of the cult because when you do something cool around a bunch of cultists, they're all like, okay, you're the guy now. We follow you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I I liked this six issue arc. I didn't love it, mm-hmm. but I kept going with it. So that tells yeah. me something. I liked. I really liked parts of it. You know, it's one of those things where like adding a daughter or a, or a kid to something can be problematic. Sometimes it works. It doesn't. Yeah, I actually thought it worked here. I lo- I mean, like like the idea that he had been the father to this girl without knowing it. Not 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 even like got somebody pregnant, but literally had shown up and been a father to her in one of his other personalities, I think right. is really interesting. I was like, okay, that's that's a way to do this that I hadn't thought of that, you know, is interesting. He got fucked up, Mark, here. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's kind of his thing. But uh, but if you get your scalp burned like that, I don't, I don't think hair grows back. He's very handsome. It's too bad. <laughs> You're right. Um, but it doesn't matter. It's comics. Uh, the cover, the next kiss you cover, but it's really good. Nothing makes sense. Nothing matters. <laughs> so, um, I'm glad the pages had picked this originally. I did enjoy reading it. Um, I will continue reading it for at least for one more issue to see what, what the deal is with the next arc and what Ty Templeton brings to the table. I'm going to be looking out so, for Jason Burroughs. Yes. The artistic wheel spins. So, let me ask you this. <laughs> Yes. Do you feel like the Doomsday Clock event is supposed to be a bigger deal than it is? Yes. Um, I think two unfortunate things are happening. One, it's been delayed. Mm-hmm. Not not unsurprisingly, when you have Gary Frank doing it, and it's oversized each issue. Yeah. And two, Metal was so delayed, and we're going to talk about Metal 6 in, in a minute, uh, that it overlapped. Mm-hmm. And so you had two overlapping quote unquote events happening. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the thing. Is like I don't know what is. I, I mean, maybe there should be room in my life for more events, but I feel like 
if you really, if a publisher really wants to get their, their juice out of it, then, you know, like they need to do one at a time and make this be the big thing. But also, um, and this is spoiling a little bit of the metal discussion. No one knows what to make of either of these things. Well, okay, let's let's table that in terms of metal and get back to it. I'm not yeah. disagreeing with you. I'm not confused by this at all. I think no, it's no, actually no, no. very strong quality storytelling. Uh, it is what it's supposed to be. It's it's an excellent impersonation of a thing. Mm-hmm. It's cover band. Yeah, and it's a cover band with really good musicians who should be playing something else. Right. I mean, I I hate to say, like, this is, I mean, what an amazing, like, bit of skill that you're seeing from Jeff Johns and Gary Frank here. Why are they doing something they've done before, that's been done before? I don't know, and I think the confusing, it's not that the confusing isn't the issue to issue storytelling. It is the what is happening. What is this? What is this? (laughs) What is Bird Notice? Um, because uh, we've all because we've been told that this, this is all pointing to this. You know, it was revealed that Doctor Manhattan caused the New Fifty Two to happen. You know, we we've we had Flash come back or Wally West come back, and it's all been leading to this moment in which you would assume all of the last six years would be it'd be culminating to this moment would be dealt with in some way, some fashion. But right now, we're just kind of hanging out in the Watchmen timeline. And I don't, I mean, I get the pacing is deliberate because the pacing of Watchmen is deliberate. But when you have a lot to deal with, presumably, <clears throat> if this is in fact going to be the thing that, that, that deals one way or another with the New 52, then I feel like you need to get a move on a little bit. That's, I mean, that's kind of what it feels like. If this is important, like, I don't know how long ago, I don't remember how long ago it was that we first sort of got that glimpse of, of Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, and in, in, in Reborn? Rebirth, Reborn, something. Rebirth, Rebirth, Rebirth. Uh, that feels like forever ago. So any significance, that was so subtle that any significance about it seems, or or in um, the Batman uh, Flash thing. the Yeah, the, the button. The button, there you go. And and it's it's like... Once you start that clock, that doomsday clock, like you, you got to get on with it or it's going to not seem relevant just because, I mean, literally part of the reason is the comics themselves are coming out every two weeks, like stories moving faster than ever. And so while I am all about quality consistency and, and you know, having the same artist on everything and have them do a good time, you can't have it both ways. Yeah, the <clears throat> the subtlety of the rollout. Yeah, the. The scheduling has been troublesome because it has been so subtle, and people, you can't t- tease this big thing and then not really deal with it. And and and, and then and, have other things happen. I told this to Scott Snyder at Comic Con last year. He asked me what people were thinking about metal. I said people are really preoccupied with the Doomsday Clock, or you know, Doctor Manhattan, because this was right after. Yeah, I right after the button. I said, everyone, DC readers, for the most part, tend to assume anything big is going to have to do with Dr. Manhattan. And he was like, well, it has nothing to do with that. I said, that's totally cool. It's just that that's, that's the preoccupation right now because of the way, the way DC has been handling it. That and that, I just think, a, we're, if, we're timing, if we're timing the things the way that we used to in comic books, that game's over, man. That We are getting an onslaught of content at every second. 
Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not like this. Now all the Netflix shows, all the whatever, and, and like literally, you're 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 throwing comics books at us twice as fast as we used to. So a two month cycle is really like a four month cycle now, and that's if you can even keep up. And they've already announced that this is going to have further delays in it, mm-hmm. and so uh, I don't. I think the anxiety for some people is I don't know if this is actually going to do. Like, is this actually going to deal with? All that stuff is nothing going to be different afterwards. I mean, I know that's the joke we make, but like, you, you can't point to this one guy messed up the DC universe. He took away our years. He made us younger. Like that whole Wally West speech that he mm-hmm. made, and then not have it pay off. I, so I don't. The, the anxiety I, is we've, we've we've dealt with that not at all in the first four issues, and this yeah. is one one third of the story. Well, I would. Tr- I mean, I would trust Jeff Johns that to have that not be the case. Sure, but, but I, think I, I think it's more about. I think it's more about that when it does happen, is anyone going to care anymore? That's what I mean. Without that, dealing with those parts of the story, you're not hearing a lot of talk about it because this entire issue was the origin of the new Rorschach. Don't necessarily care. Yeah, I actually kind of liked it more when I thought now. now I thought it was the kid reading the comic book before, and now it's the son of the therapist. Who went mm-hmm. crazy dealing with Rorschach. Yeah. And I liked it a lot better an issue ago where they were just hinting at it being that kid who was reading the pirate book. I don't, I don't know, I don't if, know if, if I actually hinted at it or we, or we, we, we did that ourselves. Which Maybe. That. But either way, if they had just left it like that, that would have been, I think, a lot more interesting than what they did do with it. And it's not that this doesn't make sense. It, I was like, oh, okay, that's which we're going to go. But um, yeah, they're explaining a thing. But I don't. again, I don't know that that's not in the... This all feels like Watchmen. No, it, it, it's I, I enjoy reading them. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. like anytime I get to see Gary Frank draw and Jeff Johns is doing a good job. And I said I think the impersonation of Moore is better now in the than, than the first issue, which I thought didn't work at all. Mm-hmm. Um, or not the, the impersonation didn't work at all. Not the issue. Uh, I, when it comes out, I'm like oh, ooh, Watchmen, the, the Doomsday Clock. That's fun. But it is interesting. At the end of it, I'm at the end of it, I'm like, well. I mean, okay. <laughs> That's yeah. basically my reaction to the. I mean, it's it. like watching Gus Van Sant's Psycho. Again, a very dated <laughs> reference, but you know, you're like, well, it's kind of interesting, and it was well done. But why? Which is, by the way, exactly the same thing I felt watching the Watchmen movie. And exactly. I think that the feeling would be different if they were actually interacting with the DCU, right? Because right, because this issue is basically ninety percent in the Watchmen universe. And it's really hard to tell when it is and isn't. That was what my one, my one criticism is, is if it flashes back and forth between him in a mental institution in the Watchmen universe and then him in, I guess, Arkham in the, the DCU. But it's hard, it was hard to tell when, which was which. And when he was being beat up in prison, I, I thought that he was back in the, like it was, that's the, that's the only thing I have a criticism for the, the book is I didn't know which was which. Um, anyway, this is going to be the schedule is going to be a problem for this. And you're right. I didn't even think of the fact that we're so used to getting four of these chapters a month or whatever, then getting one every three months is going to be a real hard thing to deal with. I, I, I mean, like I, I just can't, there's just so much content. It's hard. It's like, if you want something to be relevant, you need to either blow me away or hurry the fuck up. And this is their own doing. Sure. They do this to themselves by putting the books out twice a month, mm-hmm. and uh, or or in the case of Avengers, every week. 
I agree. So, let us move along to uh, to us. Let's talk about us. If you want like this show, you like what we do, uh, and you want to be part of it, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash ifanboy. Um, this helps support the show. This makes it... Uh, helps it worth doing. Uh, it, and it, it basically is a way for you to show that you want to support the things that you like, just the same way that we think you should do with all of the stuff that you like, because uh, our new entertainment economy has shifted. I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, our next stretch goal is a non-comics media podcast. Um, which I really think that we could we could hit out of the park if I'm going to be completely honest with you. I think people really like that. They like it when we do it in the um, in the hangouts. They like it when we do the year end show. Uh, there should be more of that. And so if you've been thinking about getting on the bus, this would be a really good time because I would like to do that. So get over to patreon.com slash ifanboy to do that and support the show directly. Of course, if you don't want to uh, do Patreon for some reason, there's still a direct uh, donation via PayPal if that's a thing that you want to do over at ifanboy.com slash support. Um, this stuff totally makes a difference in our lives and is uh, is really helpful and is, is a great uh, motivation for us to always sort of keep going and make sure we're keeping it good and keeping it fresh uh, rather than just sort of a, a hobby that we do on the side. So we take it really seriously. Although I don't know if we know how to not do that, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, another way to be part of the whole deal is get over to our t-shirt store at ifanboy.threadless.com. There are now six designs. Uh, in the in the in the show, some of you did 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 pony up and and come get the GDAT shirt, goddamn American treasure, um, with <laughs> an unnamed celebrity's head uh, there. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't either. There's no. I don't know what that's about. Um, and I feel like we should probably sell that more. But I also like the fact that we've just sucked at promoting that in any way that's understandable to anybody who doesn't know the joke. That's okay. Sometimes okay. it's just for us. That's fine. Uh, I love that shirt though, and I like the if one is electro shirt. I like all the shirts. The good shirt. Guess what's coming now? Yeah, you said we had six designs. Technically, we have seven. We just haven't released it yet. We did finalize the new shirt design actually today, as we record. Uh, we'll be, I guess, we'll be promoting it. We'll be releasing it to the patrons in a hangout this month, and then uh, it'll be available probably by the end of the month. But it's a good shirt. It's a strong design. One of my favorites, and I think people are going to like it. So it'll be yeah. coming out probably it's, in April. It's going to be good. You're, you're going to you're going to want this one. Um, so check it out. Definitely. Um, we're back to bats again. So go go ahead. Oh, Batgirl. <laughs> Batgirl number twenty one. I wanted to mention it because it was a nice little one shot team up between Batgirl and her dad. That's, it was sweet. It was they were both in the same case. They decided to team up. And uh, it was nice. I like – I'm always really happy when it's just a one-issue story. And I realize a lot of modern comic re- writers aren't – don't have that muscle. They're mm-hmm. so – you know, they've come up on the six-issue arc. They've also come up at a time with this, when it's 20 pages instead of 22. And so it's difficult. But this was a really well-done story by Hope Larson and Scott Godlewski on art uh, in which a – a uh, cosmetics company with their dubious use of chemicals caused a sludge monster to pop out of the drains of people's bathrooms and put them in comas. And that girl and Gordon are on the case together and it's fun. And at the end they have a nice little dinner at a diner because he's been thinking about her because haha, she's also a bad girl. Um, <laughs> so uh, I really like the art. Just, I was looking at the issue. Yeah. Sweet little father knows best team up. Do you remember what, Scott Gudluci drew something that we read recently and that we liked. Did he? 
I think so. I've seen that name around, and I was like, that's pretty nice art. Uh, again, that's like a style I really don't. Dig. Uh, don't spring those questions on me. I'm not. Well, you actually re- you remember things. You don't. <laughs> yeah, I've been awake for 25 minutes. I, <laughs> that's not my fault. Uh, you're not the same as you used to be. You, you, used, to, you, used, to sleep, you used to not get up early. Um, over at Hellblazer number 20, I, I, I don't know if anybody else here is like, oh, thank God he's going to talk about Hellblazer again. Um, but I feel like for the few people who care, this is a thing I'm known for, and then you do my job. Um, this is Tim Seeley, um, who is a good writer, and he's actually a, the right fit for the kind of tone this is. But, man, instantly, like right away, I was like, who are, like I didn't look at who was writing it, but a pa- two pages in, I was like, whoever's writing this isn't British. It's, 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 it's funny, isn't it? I mean, because there are other instances in which Americans write Brits or sure. vice versa, and it's not as... And I don't read this, but I, I know from reading in the past, it's, it's not as apparent. But for some reason with Hellblazer, I don't know if it's the specific accent that they try to write, but it seems to be, for the most part, it's glaring like a neon sign that, that it's, not a, it's not a Brit writing. Uh, People do – when Americans write him, it leans towards a Cockney accent, and it's not that. He's mm. he's a scouser. He's from Liverpool. He's but also like he's I don't know. He's got his own voice, and he's been written by Brits for so long in such a specific way because they know exactly what it is. And I think that I can't do it, but I recognize it. Mm-hmm. That being said, the story's okay. However, at the end of the last issue, and in this one, um, we have Huntress show up, and I'm like, and and for a long time, eighteen issues, I was like, all right, we're back to Hellblazer. I don't have to worry. No, fuck. There's the DC universe again. <laughs> and and Huntress and, is a is a character like I can't I can't get my head around. Like and also the, they haven't the DC can't get their head around her either. She's, well, that's why she's one, of, she's one of those new Fifty Two casualties in which she's been bouncing all over the place. She's a, she's a secret agent in the Grayson book. She's sort of more traditional in the Birds of Prey book, but still violent, doesn't feel like avenging Christian. Yeah. It's weird. It doesn't feel like Tim Seeley wrote her in he wrote. With Tom King, the co-writer of Grayson, and she was one of the, you know, supporting cast there. So he wrote a lot of her there. But I didn't really like that version of her. So it's not surprising she showed up, but it's also kind of, you know. Yeah. It's funny because there's other British characters in here, and they're all basically like South London kind of accents. And and that's fine. You know, it it sounds like they do on TV or whatever. Uh, But Constantine himself is just like, it's not right. So in this case, I believe that you need to – you either need to get somebody who's really, really good or you need a Brit. It's just it's just the, the way it is. Um, over to Daredevil number 600. You put this on the list, I think. I did put it on the list. Daredevil 600. I figured we should talk about it. Charles Soule, Ron Garney, and uh, this was one of the slightly oversized issues that we read this week. One of many. And uh, it was a nice culmination of – this particular storyline, which I, I was back and forth on whether I liked or not. Um, I like the character of Muse. I don't care about Blindspot, so their big epic battle didn't really do anything for me. But I like the whole Wilson Fisk mayor scenario, and it ended up in a place I did not expect, mm-hmm. which is good. And I like Garnier a lot. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I'm kind of where you are. Like, I, I like the idea of it. I like parts of it. I don't love the whole thing, but, it, you know, at least it's interesting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the idea that it ends with with Daredevil in shackles in the back of a paddy wagon. Racist. And, 
<laughs> and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but meanwhile, he's being declared the new mayor of uh, New York because he's the he's the deputy mayor, and there's a complicated uh, line of succession thing that happened. It was interesting. Now, what's going to happen now? The mayor's in prison, but they don't know it. So it's very comic book. Totally. You know, very superhero comic book, like seventies Marvel. <gasps> yes, Next and week. also, you're right. It's a great cliffhanger. One of those, one of those kind of seventies cliffhanger. But also, the gardening art was terrific, mm-hmm. and it was fun to see him draw the team of sort of New York heroes that go up against uh, the Kingpin. So you, you know, you got the Defenders, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones, and Iron Fist, and you have Spider Man, and you got Moon Knight, and Blade, and uh, somebody else is. Weren't in there. there a lot Echo. more people in the last one? I feel like there were. Maybe people were like, fuck this. Because I was like, oh, good. I'm going to finally figure out why they have Echo and Ronan. And then I was like, oh, they fixed that problem. <laughs> but I don't remember if that was this book or that was Defenders. I don't remember. But uh, you have the full you get the full <laughs> Defenders team. Daredevil, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones. You got Echo. You got Misty Knight, Spider-Man, and Moon Knight. And it's, you know, it's a fun grouping. And Ron Garney really draws everyone really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, like that. I like that foreshortened leg on Daredevil. <laughs> I always love that. That's hard. So that was fun. I really, I really enjoyed this issue. And I've been liking Daredevil. Cool. Uh, real quick, I, I picked up uh, Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider from the Damnation series. I think I think it's just a one-shot. It doesn't even have a number associated with it. Um, and I was surprised that Christopher Sabella, perfectly, uh, perfectly fine writer who I've heard of but I'm not super familiar with, but uh, can, can write a comic book. And Phil Noto on art. Which was kind That's of surprising. Exciting. It is, and also it was a very. It wasn't. It, it's once I knew it was Phil Noto, I was like, "Oh, that's Phil Noto." But it was, it was definitely like a little bit of a different Phil Noto. I thought uh, we've talked his about this. Style's been his style has been evolving throughout yeah, the years, in a, in a good way. Like it just it shows range, and and it was a little less photographic, and even the sort of the colors that he did. I guess we sort of caught a glimpse of this. He did that Chewbacca series uh, in the last year or so. Um, it's fun. I'm not to, a huge Ghostbuster fan. I have, fan. To, I have to, uh, Ghostbuster. Ghost Rider. I have to credit uh, – not credit you, but I have to fix what you said. There's a giant number one in the cover. Okay. I'm, right, that's, right under his, his name. That's fine. That's totally fine. I don't know why. I, I mean, it, it still one. could be a, a one-shot, but it's a, there's a giant number one in the cover. You, there is. That's absolutely correct. But if you look in the app, let's see. No, it says There's number no one. one. I'm not good at things. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the preview pages though, and this is this is. It's much more dynamic, Phil Noto. It is. It's like it's it's uh, it's like a cartoony, and I don't mean cartoony as in like it looks like a cartoon. I mean it's like a cor- cartoonist kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it was really like it was surprising, and I thought, well, did somebody else ink and color this? Nope. No, he he did it. He did it on on his own. Um. So I like that. That was like a nice surprise. I, like I'm not a giant Ghost Rider fan, but these stories are fun, and and I had fun reading it. So there was that. That's the point. Mm-hmm. Let's do the patron pick. Shall Josh we? mentioned earlier Patreon.com/slash iFanboy. That's where you can go and support the show. But also, if you do that and you support the show at any level, no matter what, you get to vote every week on the patron pick. That's when the patrons vote on Mondays, Wednesdays and Thursdays to add a book to the rundown. This week it was a blowout. Dark Knight's Metal number 6 won by like 15 votes. Why do you think that is? Um because I'm trying to figure out if they want to hear us talk about something that will be interesting or they're just spiteful. And I suspect 
Well, I think it's a combination of it's the final issue of an event, and while we have while we have talked, ab- I mean, I guess it's an event. yeah, it's an event. As yeah. uh, and while we have talked about this will be four out of the six issues, we hadn't talked about four and five, so it had been a long time. And with the de- with the, the delay, mm-hmm. it seemed even longer since we last talked about it. Um, there was a perception I saw amongst, on the chat that we hadn't been talking about the book at all. So I think people wanted to hear what which, by the, the way, was all com- about. That completely backs up what we were just saying about Watchmen. <laughs> yeah, if yeah. it happened two months ago, it may as well not have happened. Unless uh, it happened thirty years ago in a Star Wars movie, and then it's like the fucking Bible. You you hadn't been reading this. You, you dropped off. I. It's funny because I didn't notice there being a change because I dropped off after whatever the last one we talked about. Where I was like, I'm good, guys. Thanks. Have fun. Yeah, I think the last one we talked about was th- four. I think we talked about one. I had, I wrote it down at work. I think Ron was on the show, so it was, it not was that work. long ago. Yeah. Um, so this is the final issue. This is a 50-page behemoth. And uh, I, f- I don't know what to say. I, I'd like to – I have one question just from a completely – and I, we just recognize that I can't find things that are right in front of my face. Is there a credits page in this anywhere? I, I can't scroll through 50 pages live. I did but. three times last night because I think that's Mikkel Janine or Janin yes, at, the end, at the end. Yes. But it's not written anywhere. Yeah. Um, There's no credits page in this book. That's Sorry. happened a couple of times lately. And on, Is he on the cover even? No. Yeah, I was surprised yeah. to see him. Yeah, you're right. The cover says Snyder, Capullo, Glapion, and Placencia. It doesn't say Michael Jenner anywhere. And I flipped through it a bunch of times trying to find the credits page. I know that's not a thing for people, but I have to find out what the credits are. And I, I, that bugged me. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Stupid. Yeah, I mean, there's been there's lots of problems. You know, this was so delayed that the, you know, the books, that, that recent line of books that we mostly eschewed came out, which all was born from the end of this story. You know, the Terrifics and... Uh, the other, the silencers and all those other books that we're not reading, Damage. Um, I tried to came read at, Terrifics. Came out of this, came out of this story. And uh, so that's a, you know, a publishing problem. Um, I feel like, I feel really, I mean, you know, Snyder Capullo are one of my favorite Batman teams. You know, I'd put them up there with, you know, Grant and Bray, Bray Fogle and uh, Paro and, all those guys, I put them up in that, you know, that top really? echelon. Yeah, I think they, they, their their ten volume run was really terrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that this worked. <laughs> I feel like I feel like they were trying to do Morrison, and it just didn't work. I I I I know that it didn't work in one case, and that you would didn't be like mine. It. I I, <laughs> did, I it's not even that I didn't like it. I didn't get it at all. I wasn't. I, I yeah interested in it i didn't i mean eventually i just didn't want to read it um a lot of that had to do with sort of the like the basic design i don't feel like it was consistent like it was consistent with the idea of the title that is this is metal and that's about as far as it went for me the we're the, all a little metal story? Josh. That's the, the final the, line. The story, like, at the end, basically because I skipped a couple of issues, but also I didn't feel like I'd missed anything because it didn't make any more sense to me when I got to this point. But a lot of that had to do with the fact that I don't care. I understand that there, I didn't care. when I, I mean, it's not saying I don't care like I'm, I'm blowing it off like I, I wasn't made to care. And so 
I get the idea that there are these kinds of metals. They have always existed. There's the eighth, the ninth, and the tenth metal, and the nth metal, and they have powers, and they've always been there. This is the spider totem or the whatever thing. You I know, think this, the nth metal is the, is the ninth metal. Whatever. Um, Doesn't matter. You know, like the, the idea that it's there. But like as I read through this, um, there were – there's the – I don't know if this was supposed to be Plastic Man's big moment, but that yeah. felt lacking. I wanted that to be a big thing, and it was kind of cool, and then it was over. And then we instantly switch over. Then they find Carter Hall is in the ground. Carter Hall is an enigma among enigmas, and it's never made sense to me. And it, I get it. I get the basics of it, but it's really tough to make work. So then you have Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman come out in this, whatever the 10th metal is, the shiny stuff that is the foundation of all metal and then we go over to a different group of Batmans, and one of them seems like the normal Batman, and then he's fighting the uh, the villain in this. Which the, Joe, is, the Batman who laughs, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hate that design. I hate it. I really don't like it. Like it which one? The, the, the one with the spikes on his eyes. Oh, the Batman who laughs. It just, okay. it feels, is that, maybe that's what it is. Like, it just feels like, like a corn video from when we were in college. Like it's it, metal. I, I know, but like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't care for it either. It didn't, it didn't, it, that didn't fit for me. Like, it's not a, it, I don't say it's not a bad design because it is what it is and it definitely evokes a feeling, but it was like, oh, that's not for me. Yeah. You know what? Now that you say it, uh, I don't understand how Batman is in two places at once. He's fighting. I just some, figured there were two different Batmans and I didn't understand. There's that. a lot of Batmans running around, but I thought the guy I that. that was in the 10th metal was like the real Batman, but yeah. also the. So was the one fighting the, the the Batman who laughs alongside the Joker. Yeah. So I don't know. I felt like I was barely holding on by my fingertips throughout this entire uh-huh. series. And um, I don't like – you mentioned it in I passing. I talked a lot. I'm sorry. The spider totem-esque-ness of it. I don't really ever really like that in comics where it's like everything is preordained and there's a mystical reason for everything as opposed to things just happen. And it's been here all like, along. You just didn't know about it. It's the century. It's like, – People make choices. I, it takes away those, the choice of people. Um, so I never really like that bit of it. I don't. I, the last thing I need is more mystical Carter Hall. Um, but uh, I didn't hate this so much as I was just completely baffled and bewildered. Yeah, by it. I, I didn't hate it. I wasn't like I, I. I just was like, well, I don't know if this is good, but I know it's not for me. Yeah, I mean, I feel like reading it all in one sitting to see if it, it tracks, but I don't, also don't know if I, I I can't do that. I feel really bad because, you know, the idea of Snyder and Capullo doing a DC event was super exciting, and then it just it just wasn't – didn't work for me, which is a bummer. Yeah, I mean, but – it's, that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff they went through to do one that was like, all right, that was that was ambitious, but I don't I don't know that it worked. You know what I mean? Like it's not a bad. I I didn't want it to come across as like, oh, this sucked. They it's like, no, I like, I don't mind that. That's a thing that happens. We talked about this with Morrison a lot. Was like, yeah, I mean, take never, a, take a big swing, and I, I really did feel like they were trying. It, it had a lot of heavy sort of Morrison esque elements, and you know, the metal that makes the metal, and that kind of that was very Morrison. So kind of thing, but. let me say something good. Yeah. Uh, I, I like is a strong word. I was intrigued by the end bit. Okay. So the end in the epilogue, they're all, there's a big state dinner at Wayne Manor with all the the justice league. Apparently Alfred makes everybody fitted formal wear. He's the best. I know. See what he can do with two hands. No, the man's got two hands. He can do anything. Hold on. Well, let's get to it. Yeah. 
the speech and everything is fine, and I liked how I, I, I like Janine's art a lot, and so I liked looking at that whole part. Um, it, we turn a page at one point, uh, and Batman is hosting a rock band party for everybody, and they're dancing, and fucking Alfred is on drums. Yeah, see, I, this. What the I fuck was like, this? Why is the Swamp Thing in a in a? Why is the Swamp Thing in a bow tie? Detective Chimp is there. This is so stupid that I liked it, but only because it was stupid. I'm just talking about this one page. No, I get it. I I kind of feel like, you know, Capullo is a well-known metalhead. I know, but he didn't draw this part. I I know, but I'm saying the whole reason for this series to be in sure. being, it to, to exist. You know, Snyder is a huge Elvis fan, but also seems to like metal. I feel and like Snyder was like the guy. Like you remember in uh, that episode of Freaks and Geeks where James Franco decides he's going to be a punk for a night. I don't That's, remember. No. Well. You should. It was very good. Like, he goes in to do the thing, and he's like, I'm going to be in the punk thing. And, like, I feel like Snyder is, like, trying to do the metal stuff and, like, match Capullo's style with it. And it, I think it didn't. My point is, I think, I feel like this entire, I don't want to say this entire thing was, was, a, was a joke, because that's, it was more like, let's do a metal sensibility story in the DCU, even if it doesn't make sense. You know, the idea that, that Batman's going to be hosting a metal concert in his, in the manner doesn't make any sense. I could look at this two-page spread all day, though. <laughs> I love that somebody somebody stitched fair play on the back of Mr. Terrific's tux jacket. So, I, I like Michael Janin a lot. Mm-hmm. However, um, there's one shot. It's page 38 on your iPads when they're all standing around the table before they sit down. And they're all, like, half of them are, are doing the Superman pose. Uh huh. Yeah, 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 all, yeah. And it was just like, why are they all standing with their? Maybe he doesn't know how to draw people standing, hands on their hips, and why are they smiling like lunatic? They, they have these creepy, like, Stepford Wives <laughs> smiles. You're not wrong. So I was like, what is happening in this book? That they're was all, that was more. They're all crotch forward. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> the best way it's the you know, center of gravity. Does Cyborg um, not have a neck anymore? I don't know. Apparently not. And then you got. So this is the new Justice League team that's going to go forward from the book that Snyder's writing, right? Which is fine. It's a good team. But I'm actually, not even that's not even accurate because uh, John Stewart's on the team and not Hal Jordan. Hmm. So, but this is this is almost the team going forward. Nothing makes sense. Nothing matters. <laughs> Remember, kids, what happens at what happens at bat at a Batman party stays at a Batman party. That's what I feel like. I was like, I finished this like. Were they just fucking with us this whole time? I, I mean, I like that as an ethos. Although, I gotta say, that's a little more punk rock than it is metal, if I'm gonna be completely honest. Um, right. Alfred's on drums? He's got a double bass there, I notice. <laughs> um, there's no bass player in this band, by the way. It's two guitar players. Who are... Like, now, who are these people? <laughs> in the crowd? Yeah. I just closed it. Hold on. Where did it go? Uh, Everybody looks the same. Everybody looks vaguely Asian or blonde. Have you noticed that? Yeah, at least they're not standing with their hands on their hips. So let's see, the crowd shot. All right. Open up. So we have Swamp Thing and Detective Chimp, obviously. Then you have Dr. Fate and Mr. Terrific. Those are the people all the way on the right-hand yep. side. Then you, then you have Oliver Queen dancing with who's got the, Black who's got Canary. the metal collar things? Yep. And then you have... Hal Jordan. Donna Troy dancing with Roy Harper. Oh, and then wow. You have, 
And then you have Dick and Barbara doing a little flirty thing on the dance floor. Yeah. Uh, that would be Garth with the facial hair behind Roy Harper. And I would assume Wally behind next to him. Okay. You could. But Barbara. And, and then I don't know who these other three people are in the front. Is that not the, Barbara Gordon in the Barbara's got the yellow on her yellow bat on her dress that she's talk, oh, talking oh. to Grace. Oh, so who's the other redhead? I don't know who that is. Is that Kane? No, because she's been ousted. She's okay. she's she's anti Batman. Oh man, that's these stupid. could be other these could be other Teen Titans who they try to make me feel like are founding members but aren't. But I don't know who they are. Okay, and are we supposed to know who the band is other than Alfred? Who are the twins? Oh, is that that's not is the Wonder Twins? That's not uh, Damien, is it? Oh, is it Damien and Jonathan? I hope not. That would be stupid. <laughs> my completely objective ruling of stupid and sometimes stupid is good and sometimes it's bad i don't know i think the important thing to note is we've gone so long in this we don't have any time for emails i think it was worth it i mean this is let's, their fault let's do ratings ratings i don't feel qualified really, for this i'm really I'm, hard i mean just this one particular issue so we're not rating the whole series okay I mean, I didn't dislike it. I just felt like I was completely bewildered by it. I thought it looked good. I always, I've always liked the Capullo art, even if it's a little sketchier than his normal style. I'm going to say uh, three out of five. Two. And obviously sticking. Are you going to stick with the? No. Well, there's a mini, before the Justice League series, the Snyder's writing. There's going to be a mini series. That's that, that'll probably deal with the Hal question, but. Uh, you're going to read that, that Snyder's writing. Featuring art by Francis, Francis Manipal and a couple other people who are Maybe. very good. I mean, that does sound like a thing that I should read. Um, I mean, I, I think if we get out of this, the metal, yeah. then it might be okay. No justice. Mm. <laughs> 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 What's the what's the movie with uh, Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin? Like Midnight Run. Midnight Run. Come on. Yeah, right. I'm sorry. There's a there's this one scene in there where Charles Charles Grodin makes like a very guttural grunt. It's uh-huh. my favorite thing that he's ever done before, and that's that was yeah. my moment there. So it's written by Snyder, Tinian, and Josh Williamson. Huh. All of them. I, don't, I guess. All right. It starts in May. No justice, no peace. All right, so sticking with that, I, I'm going to read that, yes. I mean, I, I will probably read it unless I hate everything that week. <laughs> so let's let's do patron powers. As, as we mentioned before, patreon.com slash fanboy. That's where you can vote in the patron pick. You can support the show. But also, if you give it the $5 or higher level, you get your own superpower. And we thank you for doing that. Clark Doherty is our first patron. Clark's power in honor of opening weekend and baseball. Clark can transform into Wee Willie Keeler. <laughs> Go on. That's all. He just transforms into Wee Willie Keeler. Who is that? He uh, he's he was like turn of the century. He played. Oh, he played for a lot of people. He played for the Giants. He played for the Orioles. He played for the Highlanders before they were the Yankees. He played for the Brooklyn Superbuzz, mm-hmm. the Brooklyn Grooms. And for a while, we Willie Keeler had the consecutive game hitting streak that, that Joe DiMaggio broke. Okay. He's only five foot four and weighed 140 pounds. He's we. He's we. Uh huh. Brooklynite, okay. born in born in Brooklyn, died in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, right, he tend to be Willie Keeler. He's a, he's a little compact baseball player, turn of century. Did you, did you finish up your Ken Burns rewatch? I did, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I don't remember that. Now I feel like I need to watch it again. That's all right. I got four, uh, I got four and a half seasons of ER left. I'm not like to his, get the uh, tunnel. His quote was, hit him where they ain't. It's, 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 I mean, it's exactly correct. Listen, if you could turn into any baseball player, there's worse ones. He had a 385 career batting average. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not. I mean, there are definitely worse ones who you could be. I'm oh, sorry, sure. he had a 340 career average. He had a three, at one point, he had a 385 career batting average. That's pretty good. He, st- yeah. he stuck around yeah. a little while when he was in the decline, brought his average down. Well, 340 is still pretty good. It's not, it's not bad. That's, I mean, career-wise, that's got to be better than a lot of the Hall of Famers. Yeah. And uh, so, that, you know, he, he transforms into, and the thing is, here's the twist. He's black and white when he turns into Wee Willie Keeler. <laughs> what do they call that uh, when you, and you save the game in the ninth inning, which is what you just did? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hold on, hold on. I've got it. <laughs> it took Connor five minutes to make me laugh with this baseball shit, but he got there. That's all that matters. That's that, that's the, that's that stick-to-itiveness that we want to see in a player. Ryan Davis has the unique ability to be able, be able to objectively quantify the value of art on a scale of 1 to 100. Oh, interesting. Yeah. He can, he can like, every time you're like, well, it's subjective, it's not whatever. No, he can look at any piece of art. I'm going to go with visual art just because... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gets specious after that. Uh, and and he, he'd be like, that is that is a 75% uh, effective quality piece of art. So, so like 75 out of, out of 100. Yeah. And, and it's right. He's not right. Like, people people look like, yeah, I guess that's right. You can't, you know, you can't argue with it. But he, he, there is. Yeah, they say, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it turns out there is an objective value to visual art. But only Ryan Davis knows it. He knows it exactly. And and it, it would it would hold up to any scrutiny. Can you, <laughs> as we struggle to try to give a rating of one to five <laughs> to a comic book on a weekly Jimmy basis. Dunn, Jimmy Dunn, who sounds like an old time baseball player, mm-hmm. actually, I should have given him the weekly killer, killer power. Jimmy Dunn can uh, shoot banana peels. Uh huh. From his hands. Really? Yeah. Just the peels. Just the peels. People can slip on them. Thank God you explained that part. <laughs> Does he have a sidekick yeah. who would say, Jimmy, give him the slip. You ain't giving Jimmy the slip. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's okay. uh, that's what he does. So if people are trying to run away, he can <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> You couldn't yeah. even get the sentence out. <laughs> this next one... Uh, is hit the deck officer. This is when you're supposed to repeat deck officer. Deck officer. There you uh, yeah, sometimes when you sign up for Patreon, you, you ha- your whatever silly name you use goes in the list. So that's your hit the deck officer. Well, if you listen to the Star Wars Minute podcast, um, mm-hmm. they do a thing at the end of their their uh, exclusive weekend edition show where they do the the quote unquote roll call of heroes, uh, where they read off the names of everybody who is a patron supporter. Every week, Every it one. takes it takes well over an hour. Jeez. I've said I've I've been like I'll sit through that sure, and then like forty five minutes, and I was like I have to go, I can't. But but their people will have names like this. I suspect that hit the deck officer. 
is also a Star Wars. Ha- I'm sorry. When someone says deck officer, you have to repeat deck officer slightly. Deck more. officer. Thank you. Um, I suspect that he's also a, um, a Star Wars minute patron. What's his power? Oh, his power is that um, he's always simultaneously broadcasting his voice on the 97.5 frequency. So anyone who turns into that will yeah. hear him talk just throughout the day. Whatever <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's always it's always going. It's being put out there. If you're is like this countrywide, it's anywhere he goes, he will take over that frequency within oh, like a, a specific radius. Probably not that far. Probably you know like a thousand feet or something. But no like one that. knows why. It's he. It's he. He's a transmitter. What I mean is like you would be like I want to listen to what hit the deck officer should say today. You'd be like, why is there someone talking on this radio station? No, you'd be sitting there listening to like soft one hundred, you know, top hits or or modern country or you know whatever it is. Jazz. Whatever happens to be on ninety seven point five in that area. Mm-hmm. And then he would he would just he would take over that signal and you would just hear him be like I'd like a large fry. This is the most boring podcast ever. Pickles. Yeah, yeah. He would just be like, like God forbid you listen to the radio. He's in the bathroom. Like it's not. Right. You know there there might be a use for it. I don't know what it is. Well, there you go. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. That's where you can go. Uh, support the show if you can. Five dollar high level. Get your own superpower. Just like Clark, Ryan, Jimmy, and hit the deck officer. Deck officer. There you go. The guy so yeah, we ran long, so. Josh. So let's. Do you want to do one email, or what do you want to do? Uh, You're in charge. Uh, Lucas from Austria says, "Since it's Easter, this is timely. I can't use it another time." I wanted to ask you, what were the the creatively most successful resurrections in comics? I think we're going to agree on this. Well, I mean, the unthinkable would be Bucky Winter yeah. Soldier. Uh. I still don't think – I think the world would have been fine if Jason Todd had never come back. I mean I it would have made no difference to me whatsoever. He hasn't really – like Winter Soldier has really ingrained himself into the fabric and the, and, the, and the world of the Marvel Universe. He's a successful movie character. Well, that's what makes it Jason successful. Todd, Jason Todd hasn't really done anything worthy of undoing that. Other what? than – look, there's been some good stories for sure. Judd Winnick's – Red Hood storyline, which got adapted into a really terrific animated movie, were really good. But other than that one thing, I, I can't think of anything where you know anything that really made it worthwhile. Like they've been fine, but it's like you know, damn, this is it's so great that Jason Todd's around. I never think that. Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing is that the idea of a resurrection in comic books has changed slightly by the fact that the the cycle became a lot shorter over the last decade. So right. they would be like, we're killing him. So, like, I don't count Captain America's resurrection because it didn't no. really matter that Captain America was dead or Clint Barton or any of the other characters who have died a hundred times now that it doesn't matter. But oh, the, the ones DC that were side. good. No, continue. Just thought. Yeah, it's, it's the ones that, you know, the, the ones that matter. You know, Bucky was dead for 70 years or whatever it was. And, and Jason Todd was dead for, you know, 20 years or something like that, more, whatever. Uh, you know, and it was considered, when there was considered to be a some, somewhat finality, the death of Captain Marvel. Something like that. That would be one that if they brought it back, like it would feel like it was significant, sort of, depending yeah. on who you're listening to. I think Swamp Thing was on the edge of being significant. You know, so when they brought him back, though, it just felt like, yeah, Swamp Thing's back. It doesn't really matter. Super, you know, even Superman, I don't consider that to be. Because when he no, died. It was all part of the story. Right. He was exactly. never supposed to stay dead. Right. This is this is what I'm getting at. It's just a story beat. Um, on the DC side, I think Barry Allen has been a very successful reboot. Yes. Uh, not reboot, Resurrection. Um 
He's in the fabric of the, of the DCU. He's Death important. Of he has a great series. He's a terrific character on television. Like he, he has established. Okay, th- there was a reason. Th- th- there was a point to it, and I'm enjoying it. Whereas whenever Jason Todd shows up, I'm like, oh right, he's still around. What is he doing? What's the point of him? So I would say that the Barry on the DC side and and uh, Bucky on the uh, Marvel side. I think it's a good answer. It's good answers. All right, there you go. Contact at ifanboy.com if you want to send us an email. A bunch of people did, and we had some more lined up, but we went long on metal. We apologize. It's true. You can go back in the feed one show, and you can listen to our Booksplode podcast book review on uh, Green Lantern Earth One by uh, Gabriel Hardman and Karina Becco. Um, spoiler, we liked it. Yeah, really liked good. It a lot. Is there that any other your, things uh, coming up? Yes. So in April, as we kick off April uh, today with the release of this, this show, we have well, there will be two animation podcasts. There's the Suicide Squad movie, and then there is a Batman crazy ninja um, anime that Paul's really excited for that we're going to do. And then there'll be the Avengers movie that comes out in April, and then there will also be a Talksplode. So those are the sort of special shows you can look forward to. In April, there'll be at least four of them. So, twice as many podcasts for you this month. That's a good time. Yeah. That's all right. Go to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts, like the ones that we're talking about, and their antecedents. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Antecedents? Uh, ante- yeah, no, I was, I'm always worried I'm using it wrong, but I think I got that. Because antebellum is before. Okay, we're good to go. Uh, find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by following us on social media, such as facebook.com slash ifanboy or at ifanboy on Twitter. You can follow us individually, J.A. Flanagan, on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, C.S. Kilpatrick over on Instagram are the places to be. Yes, if you like the show, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It's, easy, it's the easiest thing you can do to help. If you can't be a patron, if you can't buy a T-shirt, if you or the easiest thing to do is go to iTunes, click on the star rating. If you want, leave a quick review. Tell people what you like about the show. Helps people find podcasts. It's, it's the most important thing you can do to help a podcast. Not this, just this show, Star Wars Minute, or any of the podcasts you listen to. Serial. Is that still a show? Can I keep making fun uh, of it? There's been two seasons, I think. They it's been a while. It feels like it should be back soon. The uh, just side note related: the this week saw the premiere of Alex Inc. the uh, new Zach Braff show, which is about podcasting. And uh, can you guess what motion I just made with my hand? My my eyeballs rolled out of the back of my head watching it. But uh, <laughs> I, was, I was watching the episode of Roseanne, and then the other the commercial after it was like, "Here's Zach Braff in a show," and then the other commercial was for like some other. I was like, "Oh, it's just it, it, networks are just like, what do we have that they know already? We're going to stop making new things." <laughs> but it's yeah, like Zach well, Braff plus a podcast, so the kids will like it. I don't know. I based, haven't watched it. It's based on the startup podcast, but it's just like it's oh, really? very yeah. It's a very uh, unrecognizable life. Introduce your mom to podcast. Help us spread the fanboy love all around. Uh, until next week, I'm Connor. <laughs> that wasn't. I can. I can guess it wasn't like my life. And <laughs> no, that'd be a really sad show. Ouch. I mean, for the life of a podcaster. Oh sure. At least in the late 2000s. Yeah. I guess people can do it now. Who knows? Oh.